Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back or welcome to Gardening Naturally. Hot day. Yeah, they're teasing us with this. We have a 30% chance of rain. Well, we'll take it. Um, I can hold my breath. Hopefully we'll at least, at least get a little cooling in the temperatures. It may only be for a couple of days, but I'll take it. Let's go to the phone. This is Mike. Mike, what can I help you with? Thanks for taking my call. What I want to know is, is molasses real good for the soil uh, this time of year, or should you wait? And the second thing, do you use granular or, or liquid? Okay. First question. Molasses is good for the soil, and the way it works, it's safe to apply now. So you don't have to worry about burning stuff, things like that. Granular or liquid, either or. The granular, if you got a spreader, you can spread it out and uh, it doesn't need to be very thick, just like you're sprinkling it on the ground. And whenever you water or when we finally get rain, it will dissolve and break down into the soil. Using the liquid means you're going to get it into the soil faster. And you can usually spray it down with a hose end sprayer. It's really easy to apply. But it is a good thing for the soil, even at this time of the year. And it's um, not going to burn, cause problems like that. Um, it, it, it should provide a benefit to the soil, even in this heat. Well, I understand that uh, the one at McIntyre's is it helps on pest control too, on bugs. <clears throat> you know, um, I've seen various notes about that. Uh, that the dry molasses can be really effective at chasing away ants. Now, I, I find that hard to understand since the molasses is simply sugar, but supposedly it can get, uh, it can chase the ants away. As for any other pests, haven't heard anything like that, but if it does work with the ants, there are probably others that aren't fan fans of it either. Uh, I just know that it is beneficial for your soil, for your turf grasses, trees, flowers, whatever you got, it will help improve the soil and good soil always makes for good plants. Well, I have a lot of trouble with these, what they call crazy ants, the little bitty ones. Yeah. And I have a lot of trouble with them and that's why I was thinking about when to put it down. I'm having trouble to even get into the house a little bit. There, you could do it now. And whether you use dry or liquid, maybe you do dry right now and two weeks, three weeks from now, do a quick run with liquid in case we don't okay. get any rain and it doesn't break the molasses down for your soil. But you could do right, dry right now and see if it helps you with those ants. 
And the second thing I heard, it, and is this true? It helps break down that thatch in your yard. That is true. A little too much in underneath. That is true. The sugars, the carbohydrates that are in molasses, feed soil biology, and that soil biology decomposes dead things. So if you put it down, you're encouraging all of those little bacterias and fungi and things like that to go crazy and break down the dead matter, the, the thatch that you have. So yes, molasses can help with clearing out some of that thatch. Okay, okay. Well, that, that answers my question. I sure appreciate it. Well, thank you for the call, Mike. Um, that, that was a, a very good question, especially for this time of the year. Molasses is a benefit. Let's go to the phone. This is Dale. Dale, what can I help you with? Hi, good morning. I've got a uh, moon glow pear tree that I planted uh, in the spring, and I'm 99% sure it's got fire blight with the leaves are all curling in black. And uh, I went online, I trimmed everything down with sanitized shears and everything, and I've been spraying it with the fungicide with copper in it. And the leaves came back really strong, but it's, it's doing it again. Can I save the tree? Yes. First question, when the leaves turn black, do the leaves get brittle, or are they still flexible and supple? They're, the leaves start to curl, and they get black spots, and then some just black areas. Yeah, but, but are they crunchy, or are they still a leaf? They're just black. They're just, they're not crunchy where they get at the very top and I think that's from the heat but it's just they're still soft they just have black spots on them and some of the half of it's black okay how often are you watering the trees I'm watering every two days you are giving them too much water oh wow uh, a okay. pear yeah a pear will flag you if it gets too much water, you will see the leaves turn black, and they will look a lot like fire blight. The big difference is okay. if the leaf is still flexible, you know, if it's still soft and bendable, it is probably not fire blight. It is probably a water issue. Now, granted, I get it, it's hot, but if you planted those trees in the spring, I would move that watering to five days apart, at least five days apart. Just make sure you're giving them a good soaking so the water can soak into the soil deep and then let it go dry and then water it again. Constantly wet is not what the tree is looking for. And it shows you by turning the leaves black. Okay. 
and that I'm watering a, a keeper next to us so they can pollinate about the same, but that keeper is doing fine. But the leaves are very, very different. It's just so it's really just the tree. The it can be particular to the tree. Yes. Um, moon glows are supposed to be fire blight resistant. I've uh, I'm not really found that to be the case. Keeper, they can be much more fire blight resistant. But moon glows, I have never had success with them. I've had several of them. And the fire blight usually wipes them out. You're doing the right thing to control the fire blight. But fire blight normally enters through the bloom. This late in the year, your tree's not blooming. I think that it is a watering issue and that tree can have different requirements than the other ones. So okay. spread out that watering cycle. It sounds like you're getting it a little bit much. Okay, should I, thank you. Should I trim the, the black leaves then or just leave it, just do the watering right part? Or the they leaves? Should, they should fall off on their own fairly easily. We have enough of a breeze and this heat, uh, you don't have to go out there and fuck them. Okay. All right, well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call, Dale. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I'm up against a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, let's go to the phone. And this is Mike. Mike, what can I help you with? Yeah, Jeff, uh, I'm up in Temple, and I just sent you a picture of my crepe myrtle. It's uh, four years old, but only four and a half feet tall. I was just wondering, is there anything I'm doing wrong? It's just not doesn't seem to be growing. Is it one that's supposed to get tall? Uh, I think about 12 feet. At and least that's what it said on the tag when I bought it. And it's been in the ground four years? Yes. I well, it looks like... Of it too. Yeah, it looks like it's growing. Um, it just doesn't seem to be growing at the rate you want it to be. Uh, yeah. it, remember, when you plant a perennial, you sleep, creep, and leap. The first year, it doesn't look like it does anything. The second year, okay. you'll start getting some growth. The third year is when the roots have adapted, have grown out, and you now have a root mass that will match to support the top growth. Okay. It is possible that it will grow in to what you're looking for. This heat is slowing everything down, but even taking that into account, it would not be real unusual for that crepe myrtle to take its time growing. Normally, yeah, they're pretty I, ha fast. I have another one also that's about 
between seven and a half and eight feet tall, so I'm not sure what the difference is. Uh, unless it's the exact same plant, it could be anything from, you know, the soil is different. In one spot, five feet away, it's different in the other spot. The yeah, there's a lot of clay is, out here, so. Yeah, and the plant, I mean, you can have a couple of kids, and they are as different as night and day. It doesn't make sense sometimes, but yeah. the plants are the same way. It's growing. It doesn't look bad. It's blooming. Uh, it will finally start to respond and become bigger. The only thing that you can do that might help it out is uh, inside that ring that you have around it, every, yeah. you know, once a year, maybe twice a year when the weather is cooler, you know, sprinkle some compost in there. Let it break okay. down. Let it start to improve the soil naturally for that plant to go, oh, hey, this is where I want to grow and let it take off. Okay, I'll try the compost then. I guess what, fall and then spring? Yeah, usually in cooler weather. When you're comfortable going outside to do the work, it's probably cool enough to uh, put the compost down. Not, 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 can't say that enough, not in this 100-plus degree heat. Yeah, and like I say, I bought it from the big box store, and it did have it gets about 12 feet tall, so I'm hoping the tag wasn't wrong. You know, that does happen, but yeah. not that frequently. Um, it should be it it, it should be um, the height it said on the tag. Okay, well then I'll keep working with it. Yep, just give it oh, some love and uh, be patient. Okay. Uh, thanks for the call. Um, thanks for the call, Mike. Remember, folks, you can give perfect conditions, perfect conditions to a plant. And it's going to grow at the rate it decides to grow. You may get one that's super fast. Great. You may get one that goes, you know, says 10 feet tall. I don't feel like being that big. It's frustrating. Uh, you want better conditions and uh, things like that. Um, but... Who knows? And you just have to be patient. Um, you, you can you can try really hard. You can overdo it. You can overdo it. It is possible to kill your plants with kindness. Now, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you shouldn't care for it. 
but we tend to overwater or over care for it or over fertilize. That's also a bad thing. So just keep that in mind. You want to uh, give it what it needs, but don't overdo anything. And it'll do just fine. It is really hard to judge, really hard to judge the condition of our plants in this kind of weather. Oh, this is an interesting question. And a lot of you are going to see this. Those of you growing watermelon, cantaloupe, those kind of crops, can you have a fall crop? Yes and no. If we stay hot and you can get your plant water and fertilizer as it needs it, you should still be getting watermelon and cantaloupe. But when we get to the other side, when we start getting into the cooler weather of the fall, remember watermelon cantaloupe, all of the melons, they need high heat. They need high heat to produce the most sugars, to be the sweetest, the, the, the best tasting. And as we get into the fall, you will see, well, I got cantaloupes. And you cut them open and they're bland. <clears throat> Same with watermelon. They may produce one, but it probably won't be the quality of fruit that you get right now. Do we have time for more? Yeah. I'm betting we're going to be hot enough through the end of September at least. If you have some fruit forming, let them go. They, they should turn out to be good. But after about the middle of September, anything that forms as a fruit is probably going to be pretty mediocre. You're welcome to try it. Uh, There are other things you can use them for. Got chickens, they love it. We laid out pieces of watermelon that we didn't eat the other day, and the birds and the rabbits, boy, that was a treat for them. But yeah, you can, if your crop is already in, still get plenty of good melons. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We got a break for the news. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I, I, I'm not sure... I'm not sure what happens, okay? We suddenly think with this incredible heat and a drought that we need to go out and fertilize things. We have to break ourselves of this idea. You're not helping the plant in this heat. It isn't hungry. In this heat... It wants water, and we don't want to drown it, but it has to have water first 
And the fertilizer just risks stressing the plant out. And we do not need very high numbers if we are fertilizing. When you add up the numbers, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, you want the sum total to be somewhere south of, of 20. It's, it's argued, depending on the product you have, that anything over about a 14 or a 15, when you add up nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, anything over a 14 or a 15 tends to be a conventional fertilizer. In other words, it's a chemical fertilizer. That's your choice if you want to use it, all right? That is definitely your choice if you want to use those fertilizers. But in this heat, your, your plants will be like, why are you forcing me to eat this stuff? They're, they're not hungry. When the weather breaks, when we start to cool off, then look at fertilizing. But as bad as this weather has been, you are not helping your plants by wanting to run out there and fertilize them. Let's go to the phone. This is Ross. Ross, what can I help you with? Yes, sir. Um, I've got uh, okra in containers, which is the way I grow it uh, traditionally in big containers, and I've had real good success with it. But this year, and I know it's hot, but I also know okra likes heat, but it is just, uh, it looks good. You know, it'll droop some in the afternoon when it's really, really hot. But in the mornings, it's vibrant, and, you know, I can tell it's getting enough water and stuff. But it's just not putting on blooms. Are you fertilizing? No. You know, they don't need much. I mean, they're, they're almost a weed. Yeah. But you could, so you, could, you could try providing a little fertilizer, something that is a bigger number of phosphorus, the middle number, than the other two numbers. And, and like I said, just a little. You can get a product called uh, rock phosphate. Comes in oh, a yeah. little container. Sprinkle yep. that on the soil. That's like a zero three zero. And that phosphorus could be that extra little bump that the plant needs to be able to produce flowers. Well, you know, I looked on the internet and it did mention phosphorus, one of the things I read. And, uh, but I didn't want to do it with, without, you know, giving you a shout and getting a little more information. I also heard that seaweed might be good. Seaweed is good for almost every single plant any time of the year and it doesn't need okay. it like every day you know once every couple of weeks can make a huge difference seaweed is magical mystical juice that really really helps the plants perform especially in droughts okay good so how would i apply the seaweed you can uh usually it comes as a liquid and it's like one ounce per gallon 
so whether you have a little sprayer, whether you mix it up and decide to water the plant with it, you can either uh, drench the soil or foliar feed it by spraying the plant with seaweed solution. Either way, okay, we'll can spray the product. can spray it on the plant, right? Yep, you can. I guess mornings are best. You know, that's a good argument. If you spray it in the morning, the plant will be able to take it up fairly easily. But sometimes the water droplets, if you, you know, if you don't do it early enough, the heat of the day can cause the water droplets to act like a magnifying glass and turn around and put burn spots on the leaf. So if you can at the end of the day spray, that's a lot easier on the plant. But if that'll be, the only time you... That'll be easy for me to do. No, I can do that. No problem at all. Well, then so you've got to figure it, it out. Spraying. I was yeah, reason, wanted, the reason I was wondering about the foliage is um, I have a pretty thick layer of leaf mulch under the plants, and I wasn't sure if I watered it with it, if it would get in, if it, if it would stay with the leaves or something. Uh, if, if you water and you stick your fingers into that leaf mulch and the soil underneath is not getting wet, then you probably have too much mulch. Okay. Well, I know I'm getting it wet now when I water. I water it deep um, every three days. Do you feel like that's enough? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially if you're well mulched. Yeah, that's what I felt like. You know, like I say, the plants look good. They look healthy. They're just not blooming. So I'm going to try some of the phosphorus and apply some seaweed. That'd be good. It doesn't take much phosphorus. Uh, it's a dry powder. Sprinkle it around the plant. And when you water, it'll soak and seep into the plant so that they can uh, get the nutrient they need. Perfect. Thanks for your help. You bet. Good luck. Uh, enjoy the okra. Normally, that's a crop. You got to give it away because you get so much of yeah. it. Uh, not sure. I, I, I think the heat is a direct factor, but you can also try to cheat it here with a little phosphorus and the seaweed solution and see if you can't get another crop. Yes, sir. Thank you. You bet. Thanks for the call, Ross. Uh, folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I'm up against a break. Uh, we'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. <clears throat> nice and toasty warm today and tomorrow and the next day. They are trying to tease us, trying to help us crawl out of the depression of the heat, they think that there's about a 30% chance of rain on Tuesday. But the reports are saying we're talking a hundredth of an inch, you know, just enough that you may have to turn on your windshield wipers. Water is water, and we will take it uh, for what we can. You know, um, I, I wish we could rely on 
better, better uh, conditions. A friend of mine, she just put in a 400-gallon rainwater tank. Uh, That's good. That's great. It doesn't take but a minute's worth of rain to get 400 gallons of water off of a home. A 2,000-square-foot home, if it rains for one inch, if we get one inch of rain off a 2,000-square-foot home, that will give you almost 1,000 gallons of water. So 400-gallon tank, there will be times of the year where the water will be flowing out of it because you won't be needing it, and it'll fill up. But in days like today, after this summer, you are probably draining that tank dry faster than you thought you would. So just be prepared. It is easy to get. It is easy to get more tanks. You can combine them. You can get one of one size and then figure out how it goes over a year. And you can always add more tanks. And every time it rains, you wind up collecting more and more rainwater. So when we need it, it'll be there to use. If we don't need it, well, we'll just let it pour out and fall on the ground like regular rain would have. 400 gallons, I had 400 gallons, but it took me eight 55-gallon drums to make it, okay? It's it's not that I had a single tank holding it. But having a single tank, you can let it fill up. And and heavy rains, if the tank was not all the way full, you're going to collect more of that rainwater. But an inch of rain collected off of a 2,000-square-foot house will yield about 1,000 gallons. Number of inches of rain times the number of square feet that you're collecting it from times a half. That gives you an idea how much water you would collect in a single one-inch rain event. Now, here's the deal. We're supposed to get 32 inches of rain a year. I guess we're about 10 inches behind at the moment. But 32 inches of rain means you would collect 16,000 gallons of water. That's a lot. That is a lot of rain, and that would keep many of our gardens and landscapes and trees doing quite well considering the weather conditions. We We have got to have some rain, but we can't command it. We're hoping, we're hoping 
that some storms are coming. And of course, you know what's going to happen, right? We are going to get hurricane, tropical depressions. And rather than getting a nice day where it rains and we get maybe an inch or two of rain over the day, we're going to get inches of rain in short periods of time. The flash flood scenario. So be prepared. Be prepared. You see that for the first time in 80 or 90 years, they're having a hurricane is going to hit California. There will be some serious flooding there. You're talking places that if they got an inch of rain, they would have instant floods because they're mostly rocky. They're, they, they don't have places for the soil to soak up the water. The kind of rain they're going to be looking at, we're going to have some very bad flooding. If you've looked around the world, uh, Tokyo, Korea, uh, many places in Europe are getting rain at levels that they're bursting every river and so much water, these terrible, terrible flooding. And here we are begging for a drop of rain. So we need to be careful. We may wind up with the weather shifting in a way that guess what? Now we're the ones that are going to get all kinds of unexpected rain. Those of you with rainwater tanks, if they're empty, clean them. Yeah, take a minute, flush them out, uh, put the garden hose in them, clean them out, drain out the bad water, drain out the junk. You used to have a rainwater place at, a rainwater tank at a place where the water was so high in sulfur that after the first year, the tank was about half full and the walls and the bottom of it had this perfect yellow coating all over it from the sulfur that came out of the water. The water was fine for our plants. You wouldn't drink it, but the water was fine for our plants. So nobody cared. You can clean that out if you have to, but since you're not using it as potable water, you're not drinking it, it's perfectly fine for the plants. And that is the thing in central Texas. Some of our wells are really high in sulfur. And without a doubt, some of them are pretty high hard water. We can accommodate that. Plants definitely can deal with it. <clears throat> the idea is that we have to have water. Doesn't have to be a certain pH. Doesn't have to be soft water etc., etc. We just need the water. So if you're watering, be conscientious about it. Don't waste a drop. Water correctly, and uh, you'll be able to manage through this weather. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. 
Uh, we're ending the show today, and I will talk to you all again tomorrow at 8 a.m. Have a good weekend.